kind of the common sense that you hear a lot and it's become cliche and that's usually means it's true to some extent where like if you you should write about something you're really passionate about because it's going to keep you obviously as, as a writer you you figure out that a lot of it is very uh, menial a lot of it is is just the grind and it's not uh, this glorious uh, inspiration type of activity. Um, so you better have an idea that if you're going to write something that that's good, I think you better have an idea you're really passionate about and that's going to keep you going. It's going to keep those bright spots. What is up, everybody? You're listening to episode 57 of SFF Addicts. I'm your host, Adrian M. Gibson, and welcome to your weekly dive into the world of science fiction, fantasy, and writing craft. Joining me as always is my co-host, the Chewie to my Han Solo, the Joker to my Commander Shepard, MJ Kuhn. How's it going, MJ? Oh, hello. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. And for anyone who wants a good, rollicking adventure with thieves and all kinds of fun stuff, found family, and uh, friends who double-cross each other. <laughs> Among Thieves by MJ Kuhn is a fantastic book, and you can pick that up. I'll leave a link in the description below. And you can also support MJ by pre-ordering the sequel, Thick as Thieves, which comes out on July 25th. As well, a quick note for listeners, the official SFF Addicts Patreon and merch store are live. So check the links in the description to support what we do here. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And subscribe to the FanFatic YouTube channel where this and every other episode of the show is available in full video. Also, shout out to our newest patron on Patreon, Luke Shepard. We really appreciate you supporting us over from the UK. And now welcoming today's guest author, friend of the show, Alexander Darwin, author of The Combat Codes. How are you, Alex? Hello. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, happy. To have I also have behind. MJ's book right over there. I should, have, I should have brought it to my desk. To pimp hers and your own, but we there just we got go. a black wall. <laughs> <laughs> i'll photoshop some stuff into the background we'll see how it works <laughs> just like 60 copies of my book like wow he's a really big fan <laughs> i don't have any book as i told you guys, I have no own. bookcase but i should just have that behind me just tape it to the wall yeah, yeah just tape it to the wall <laughs> just the literal book on the wall uh, <laughs> all right we're off to a good start uh but to kick things off alex can you tell us a bit about yourself and your books for listeners who might not be familiar with you yeah, I, I am Alexander Darwin, as I said, and I live in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and my book that is due out June 13th from Orbit Books is called The Combat Codes. And it's uh, technically adult science fiction, but it's often been called science fantasy, which is some subject of debate. I think MJ and I were on a panel that actually <laughs> now I'm remembering was what the difference between sci-fi and fantasy and so I, I fit right in there. But science fantasy is what I'm going with now. It is it is an almost arbitrary line that we can never fully decipher. Right. This is true. This is describe true. Describe the difference between what exactly? Describe <laughs> the difference between these two nebulous things. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. All of it's fun to read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said that. Mm. Right? Well, speaking of reading and 
SFF. How did you first get into reading? Like, do you remember what for like book, the first book that caught your attention? Or like, do you remember if you started with sci-fi and fantasy or did you have a different gateway drug into the book world? <laughs> no, no, that was definitely my gateway drug. I just remember my my older brother, who's four years older, I used to be, you know, watch him play video games, Final Fantasy. I would be like the the younger sibling. I would always be in, you know, would not be able to play the games and would watch him, which Dude, that was he was neat. telling me was really fun. And that <laughs> it was fun. But the same went for books where he 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 was reading, um, you know, the early Dragonlance, uh, the Chronicles, uh, Weiss and Hickman, and then also R.A. Salvatore, um, the Dark Elf trilogy, both which are fantastic. And I kind of picked those up from him and, and just like every book he read, I would then read. So I started those super early and, and just went from there. Dude, I love how you, okay, so I know you're a huge fan of JRPGs. You already mentioned Final Fantasy, but like, <laughs> quick aside, I had the ex- same experience of like, I'm the youngest of four. And so I would always be. Oh, whoa, youngest like, of four. Yeah, I, yeah, I like, didn't even know that. <laughs> you're, the, you're the watcher. Like, you don't get to do shit. You just like sit there yes. and watch while we play the video games. But, but then it's like this weird form of like voyeurism. And now I see people like, like my, my younger brother-in-law who like, watches uh playthroughs on youtube and i'm like you're weird and i was like i did that as a kid like why do i think right that's weird now? we did we were doing twitch before twitch was a thing yeah. right yeah it's like really yeah. low-key like intimate twitch <laughs> yeah like, we were, pi- we were pi- pioneers we were pioneers pretty just much. Yeah. hipsters yeah. over here all right <laughs> <laughs> Fucking twitch stealing our ideas um, yeah but on video games um what are some of your all-time faves so I- i'm weird not just because of video games, but <laughs> I'm I'm very weird uh, in that I played a lot of games in my childhood up until I was about 20. And then I just, for whatever reason, like being busy and then eventually work and then eventually kids, I just like stopped playing. I didn't, so like all, <laughs> my, but I'm like, it's like, I have this barrier to entry now where it's almost like, because I have such fond memories of like that golden era of when I was playing games, like all the early Final Fantasies, up, I played like up to Final Fantasy X, and I just have like it's like nostalgia where I'm almost afraid to like jump back in. And I also have very little time, and I know I will get sucked in. And I also played actually like some very early M M O R P Gs, like Ultima Online, um, which is like pre pre Worlds of Warcraft. Um, and like a lot of PC games that were uh, like the early Ultima games, which were fantastic. Um, like all the like Might and Magic, all those early PC games. I was I was all about that. But I'm very there's like a void where eventually I know I'm going to jump back into it, and there will be no turning back at that point. <laughs> yeah, and I then you're just that. like I, I I gotta write, but but just right. Like, things you know i got i know i I feel that too that's like (laughs) i i don't game as much as i used to either and i feel like when i do game i also just replay the games that i played when i used to have more time so it's like oh well i could pick up all of these new games or i could just replay mass effect for the 70th time i I haven't done (laughs) this decision tree yet uh so i feel that (laughs) Well, there's so much between like games and 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 books and and shows and movies. It's like I, there's so much stuff out there, and I want to 
I want to have it all, but I only have so much time. So it's like, I'm having to really curate, um, what I'm, what I'm consuming, but I, I wish I could have it all. <laughs> and, and, and parenting just amplifies that. So much. I know I end up watching like literally I, I, I watched like last of us and like Mandalorian, like the big shows, but there's so many shows I want to watch, but like, I actually watched most like bluey or, or like, I did say most of like what you have to watch during, you know, most hours of the day has to be kid friendly when you have little ones. Yeah. Exactly. Around, so actually no while, while oliver and i have been sick i've indoctrinated him to the studio ghibli movies oh and, there you know that. and you know what this is this is this is a, a marker of how i'm raising this child sometimes when we watch movies like i told you mj i wanted him to be bored and take a nap because i was tired yeah. and sick and i was like i'm gonna make him watch like lady and the tramp which is like <laughs> it's a fine disney movie but i'm hoping that he's gonna get bored of these dogs <laughs> and and eventually he just said like no more and i was like damn it You're like that's what that's what disney is <laughs> yeah and then we watched and we watched ponyo kiki's delivery service and today we watched porco rosso which is about like a flying pig in italy he finished them and at the end i asked did you like them and he said yeah i was like oh my god i love it you're like, so yeah. I'm in the same boat. My my seven and four year old, I've been having watch also the Studio Ghibli movies, and we did the same. I haven't. I don't. Is Porco? Is that Porco Rosso? I haven't watched yeah. that one. Dude, that one's amazing. It's so okay. That so that'll be next up. Yeah. We did we did Totoro. Oliver love Oliver loves uh, any kind of like vehicle, and that one is like ninety percent planes. Oh, and right. so the whole time Perfect. he was just like either in English or Spanish, like so many planes, like muchos aviones and just like <laughs> having a great time. So, yeah. Well, I, I, I love Disney movies and all, all the big ones. I'm, I'm a big fan of like Moana and Frozen, uh, not just because my kids are like a solid, really solid movies, but yeah. there is something to be said about the Studio Ghibli movies in that the, I feel like the pacing is so different. They're less like sensory where the, there's just less... It's like one frame of just the artwork and like characters mm-hmm. moving through it. I feel like at first my kids were like, why is nothing happening? But they got used to it. And it's, I feel like yeah. it's really, it's really cool seeing them yeah. like get used to that style. And it's also visually stunning. And oh man, like it's so cool. The plots are, the plots are relatively straightforward. And so I feel like Oliver, he's not even three yet. And he wasn't like so disengaged or anything that he was like, turn it off or like, let's go do something else. It's like, no, he's just chilling right. with me, being a little sniffly boy and having a great time. So it's awesome. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the best, like, sick activity. Hanging out, yeah. watching those movies. Hanging out, watching, watching films, baby. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. Well, a little bit back to why you don't necessarily have all of the time in the world to engage with all the media you want to. <laughs> Is it another? Oh, I mean, like, you know. We're, Damn it. We're raining it back in. Uh, but you, uh, another big part of your life outside of writing and family and all of that stuff is martial arts. Um, and obviously that ties in really closely into combat codes and, and all of that. Um, so I, I'm just kind of curious, like, how did you first get into martial arts? So I think pretty typical, especially uh, here in the u.s uh like karate like i remember really early like five or six like my parents put me in a karate class and it was like a pretty typical i think nowadays 
no, I don't like to be like biased against other martial arts or even other classes. Because to be honest, like my actual opinion about any martial art is like if it's benefiting you in any way, mentally or physically, it's a great thing. But looking back at it, it was what we would call like a mick dojo, which is just like you know, uh, kind of like a lot of kids going through these classes, and it's really just about like the the, the business making money, which is a part of you know running a business. Um, and so that really did not have, I don't think any effect on me, probably more of an effect was like watching Ninja Turtles and like always being a ninja for Halloween. Like, like my parents were super happy cause I never had to change my costume. I just like literally had a black, like cloth that I would just wrap around my face <laughs> until I was like in high school. That was also kind of oh weird. Um, I love it. But then it wasn't, it wasn't really until I did like Kung Fu in high school um which was actually that was really cool and fun because i wasn't very athletic as a kid like i i like ran but not very well i went on i like track team but i was not a good runner um and so kung fu was cool and we actually did some like you know the with that form of kung fu we did forms which like which is more of the aesthetic uh type of thing but also some actual uh you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat, which is like hitting, but really, to be honest, we were just like, it was a bunch of high school kids just beating the shit out of each other with very little <laughs> technique, just like, here's some gloves, go, go at it. Just like anger <laughs> back on it for teens. Exactly. Exactly. But there were some good lessons learned there, but it wasn't until uh, in college when there was a, a local uh, or at the Boston University where I went to university, um, there was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu club, which was just like, I don't even know why, to be honest, I'm not hundred percent sure remember to, as far as why I walked in there and it was, uh, run by actually, it turns out a pretty high level black belt and it was no gi, which in, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, no gi means you don't have a uniform. You're just wearing like a rash guard. So it was totally foreign to me. And I pretty much fell in love with it. Then, um, the, the instructor was probably about like 150 pounds and I was lifting weights at that point in college, like, you know, pumping iron. I think I was, you know, feeling pretty strong and just got like totally demoralized, like as wrecked. if this person <laughs> yeah. had like, but like in a way that it was just like, this is magic. Like, how is this person, this guy who's older than me, especially when you're in college and, and you're a guy and you feel like you, you know, where you kind of stack up with, you know, uh, you think you do. And then this person just like controls you like a, a marionette. Um, <laughs> and I, I really, at that, uh, they say that's the inflection point where a lot of people that do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu kind of like either will leave and not come back and try to forget the experience and be like, okay, I'm not, that never happened. Or they're like, how the fuck did this, how did this happen? Like how yeah. did, did you do that? And so that's how can I really do that one day. Right. Right. So that was like 20 years ago and, you know, just been working at it since. And even now just, I, I teach and, and train, but it's the fun part is, is, um, there it's learning. You're it's like never ending learning. Um, you, you don't, it's endless. Um, and it's fun. And I think that's, that's the thing I really try to remind myself even now when I'm practicing it, I'm just playing. I'm just like, it's my, it's where I get to go play. Like my kids are like, are you going to play with your friends? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, man. Cause I, yeah, like you and I've talked about martial arts before and, and I love this idea of, of adults being given the opportunity to play. Uh, and, and obviously this is like a physical form of play, 
Um, and then on the flip side, it's like as a writer, I'm curious to get your your perspective on this, like a combination BJJ writing question. Like, how have your martial arts practice and the skills you've learned there helped you as a writer in terms of like creative play or writing lifestyle and practices that you can kind of apply from one to the other? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, I've, I've, I think I've answered this in the past and I think just like, you know, as, because I've practiced martial arts so long and I, I've been writing for a while now as well. I think my, my answer has kind of evolved. Just, it's kind of like when you look back at, at either things that are nostalgic or you look back at the way things were in the past, your, your view of it kind of changes. And I think some of it can be answered in a very like logistical way um, that could a lot of people could have a niche, whether it be, you know, CrossFit or exercise and getting endorphins in some way. Uh, so in that sense, like it really does help, you know, training and exercise in general really does help balance me out for writing. Like, I feel like if I sit with anything too long and I just kind of, uh, you know, hit a wall, that's really where my mind can, can, uh, be, become clear. Um, but in particular, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and grappling um, does something different for me. Like it, it's kind of ruined me for most other forms of exercise um, because, <laughs> and I love, I, I love exercise in general. Um, you know, like I swim, I, I try to run or, or bike or whatever. And it's just like Brazilian jiu-jitsu for me personally really just brings me to a very mindful place where I'm not. Like when I run or, or bike, or I still, my mind can still be uh, churning around, you know, the current idea that I'm working on or work or kids or whatever else. But with, with grappling, you can't really do that. Um, I mean, you can, but it's, it's very, it gets in the way. So you're just really in the moment and having that, having that mindfulness uh, for me is everything for writing because I know uh, now about myself with writing that. And I think for a lot of people, it's just such a subconscious activity and you don't realize it, but like uh, all the planning you do when you actually sit down and write, it's like all just tapping into, into that subconscious. And I think that those two sync the, you know, sync very well together. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah, that is. And that makes sense though, because you can, you know, your mind can still wander. It's not a fully present activity, but it sounds like the grappling. <laughs> if it's not fully present, you're going to get your ass kicked maybe <laughs> yes <laughs> so um in terms of you know that that concept of tapping into the unconscious or subconscious when you're writing i love that because then you don't really think about that um as much until you know you think until you phrase it like that um but i'm curious if you can tell us a little bit more about the origins of when you began writing the combat codes like how did you kind of find your process like what did that look like for you so do you mean uh, more like the concept or, or the actual uh, uh, habit? Uh, I think of all of it. Writing. Like where did the concept yeah. come from? And then how did you translate that into – because, you know, it's, it's a different beast between thinking of a story idea and like actually exactly. figuring out how to sit down and write the damn thing. You know what I mean? So all of it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, kind of the common sense that you hear a lot and it's become cliche and that usually means it's true to some extent where like if you're – you should write about something you're really passionate about because it's going to keep you obviously as, as a writer, you, you figure out that a lot of it is very uh, menial. A lot of it is, is just the grind and it's not, 
this glorious uh, inspiration type of activity. Um, so you better have an idea that if you're going to write something that that's good, I think you better have an idea you're really passionate about. And that's going to keep you going. It's going to keep those bright spots in that grind. And so the original seat of the combat codes was I've, you know, I love uh, action movies and I love, um, I love, uh, you know, fast paced stuff. And, but, but I just found there was even the stuff I really love there. Everything was swords and sorcery, which again, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, magic schools. I'm a big fan of, um, you know, all the medieval stuff. That's what I grew up on, but I was just kind of, uh, thirsting for, um, something that really highlighted, uh, a lack of weaponry. Um, and I just, I, that's really where, where the seed of the idea came from. Like, how could I create, do some world building? Uh, how could I create a world where, where weaponry or magic in a fantasy world was really de-emphasized? Um, and what would that world look like? So that's really where the concept of, of, um, you know, uh, nations having an armistice where they, they, um, you know, nominate champions to, to fight on their behalf and, um, in an, you know, unarmed combat situation. Um, that's where it, it all stemmed from. And that, that it's like, I've heard you mention that kind of concept before, but I don't know why, like just the way you phrase that it's like nations, you know, basically like selecting a champion to fight on their behalf. I'm like, that is pretty fucking fantasy. You know, yeah, it is. Well, and it's so cool though because it's it's rare because a lot of times in fantasy the story centers around war, right? Like not not always, yeah. but a lot of time are like well, war is looming, war is threatening, mm -hmm. war is here, uh, yeah. and you know you've created a, a world where like war isn't happening. It's it's it if it does, it's this single combat, which is so cool and not something yeah. you see very often. Well, it's like so, it's yeah. like localized combat diplomacy. Yeah, right, really cool. right, and <laughs> it's pretty cool. And also, I mean, I've obviously watched war movies and i've i've you know consumed a lot of media related to war but i've i my personal experience as well as my knowledge compared to a lot of other writers for example like you know uh christian cameron who who have studied the historical aspects of it i i'm a, a neophyte in that sort of arena and of course uh i i can do research on that but my expertise both as what well, you know having watched a ton of mixed martial arts uh you know, countless hours of it, as well as practiced. Um, that's really where I gravitated towards. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's like writing to your strengths, especially. Right. Right. As well. But, uh, I was also curious, like, when did you decide, okay, I'm going to self publish this book and then planning that out into the full trilogy of the combat code saga? What were your kind of thought, thoughts going into that in terms of like, these are my goals for self-publishing a trilogy and, yeah. and how did it feel for you to kind of go through that process and get reception from reviewers or from readers? And uh, you know, I, I can't remember which year of SPFBO that you went through. Was it like six? It was the, it was the pandemic year, 2020. Um, so SPF, SPFBO six, which was yeah. the... Yeah, that was a, a big year. <laughs> yeah. But uh self pub. Um so I was living in 
and this has been such a long journey. It's like, this is 2015. I was living in, in San, or, or when I was writing, it was actually prior to 2015. It first was mm-hmm. self pub in 2015, which is like, wow, like almost yeah, a decade crazy. ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But I was living in San Francisco and I was working in like Silicon Valley. Um, we had like a little startup going and we were really a part of that. I had a business partner. We were part of that world, a failed startup, like so many San Francisco startups, but, um, it was almost a very natural evolution. Um, because based on, you know, the, we were in, in the, in the tech Mecca where self pub, when I started learning about it, um, it was very interesting to me, the whole concept of, of KDP and, and learning all of that. And also the concept of kind of what we've all figured out at this point, um, you know, to do self-pub successfully, you have to essentially run a business. You have to run a small uh-huh. business. You have to hire, yeah. hire contractors. And that was something that we, I was doing and learning already, um, you know, how to deal with, with contractors and, and form these relationships that, that are so important to, to be able to run a successful business. The business was not successful, but <laughs> um, I was learning. I was learning anyways, and so again, being able to leverage this—I guess it wasn't new at that point, but relatively new technology and and platform um, with KDP, as well as all the 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 marketplace that had evolved around it, um, and as well as the advertising that that tied into it. It was all just like kind of a natural evolution. So I, I did just I was like, this is a thing. Like let's let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> dude that's awesome i don't know if that did that i think i segued a little answered, bit there but <laughs> you answered the first half but how did it feel for okay. you to then get into it and then start to get reception and expand upon the trilogy and 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 kind of like seeing See how you're yeah yeah but it's like seeing <laughs> so how there was... your 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 idea of like what you could do with it being met with like the realities of of how people received it yeah. So when I first wrote it, I really, um, just based on what I talked about with like what the seed of the idea was, um, I really wrote it specifically for Marsh, the first iteration of it for martial artists. Um, I actually wasn't, I mean, obviously sci-fi fantasy was like my background. So that was of course what the backdrop of the entire world was, but I wasn't even really thinking about like marketing towards sci-fi fantasy so that that was a lot of luck that came into that so i was like i will i was a big i was reg, a regular on reddit on like the jujit rbjj which is like the jujitsu forum which is like a pretty big marketplace and i was like telling people about it there like hey i have this i have this sci-fi book and it has a lot of jujitsu in it if <laughs> you want to check it out and like so i was <laughs> able to get and i was on like podcasts that were specifically jujitsu podcasts um, That's awesome. I did, which was great. And it was really cool and had a really good reception. But I also figured out that like, okay, there's a lot of martial arts that don't necessarily like sci-fi. Let's not like, or, or read in general, like not everyone reads, um, or as a reader. So it was very fortuitous when kind of on a whim, um, after the first book was finished and it had got kind of like had a little bit of a run. I was like, okay, that was really that was great. Um, people, people enjoyed that. Um, and then I saw, I, I learned about SPFBO and I, I saw that that was a thing and I just like almost randomly was near the submission deadline to that. And it was just like, okay, I, I look like I can qualify for this. I, I have a book. It's sci-fi fantasy. 
Um, of course, that would become some debate <laughs> in the actual contest, but I, I submitted it, and that gave it. When, of course, when it got through to the to the finals of that, that really gave it a new um, life. And also, in my in my view, I was able to see, wow, this actually has resonates not only with martial artists but with sci-fi fantasy fans. Um, yeah. and that kind of went from there. Yeah. Well, in expanding to that broader audience, um, now, uh, as we mentioned, or as you mentioned in, in the intro here, it's coming out this summer from, uh, re-released from orbit. Um, so I think that's a, a fascinating journey. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear how that journey has gone. Like, what has that transition been like going from indie to trad and how have you been feeling as this process is unfolding? Yeah, that's a really good question. And like a really like my mind is like in it's almost hard to like extrapolate because right now we're, you know, I've I've transitioned into trad and, and Orbit is publishing this book in, in about a month from when we're talking now. And I'm like in the midst of it. So it's almost like it's very hard to see like out of the the mists. So like I, I hope when after the first book is published, um, I'll have some more perspective on it. But I definitely have like I've tried as as tried as hard as I can to like learn, like take almost the scrappy self-published um, mentality and bring it to where where I am in, in trad and, and learn. I've, I've had a lot of fun to be on. It's like there's a lot of stress, as MJ knows, like with trad publishing and there's all sorts of things to consider. But there's also so much fun stuff that I've been learning. and yeah. and. Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying the process of interacting with like great people that are really passionate at orbit um, books, my editor, Bradley, um, the entire team, our team, that's like really been a fun learning experience, but like also way different, way, way, way different. Um, and like, I'm there's a lot of specifics. I'm glad to answer questions on as far as, you know, pros and cons and and there are and i've actually been trying to digest a lot of that um as i'm going and i'm sure again just like we, we started off like i'm sure in hindsight as i get further away from when it publishes or even after the series publishes or hopefully after i have you know more books come out either self-pub or trad i'll have like more perspective on it but again if you have for specifics i, I i'm glad to to dig into any, you know, some details as well. Well, yeah, man, just, uh, just go for it. I mean, we wanted to know like what have been like some of the coolest parts of transitioning into trad pub so far, but also some of the hardest parts about the switch. And you mentioned how different it is. It's like, yeah, it's like completely been, different sides of the same coin. Yeah. 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 So, um, one of the hard parts for me, because again, I came from, this this perspective of running your own business, which again is the analogy I know that I think is very apt uh, for doing self pub well and having it, you're running your own businesses, you're you're um, you're the you're the one dealing with with artists, you're the one dealing with with designers and editors and copy editors. You're 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 essentially funding it. Um, you're having to do all all the accounting on everything. Um, and so that definitely has been a learning process that I've been trying to adapt to not having control. Um, and I think that's, that's something if you're, if you are 
if your book is acquired or you're thinking of, of transitioning from self-pub to trad, that's something that you need to consider is like, what type of person are you? And do you really like to control your, your fate to some extent? Um, do you like to, you know, be the one that is inter like you will be interfacing with a lot of people. It may be even more in trad, but it's not the same relationship. Um, and for some people, that relationship will be, uh, a lot better with trad because, because of their nature. Um, and for some people, I think it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not a great fit because again, it depends if you're the type of person that wants to be running your business or not. And so I think I'm, I'm in the middle, um, where there, there was some things that I was hard for me to let go and probably still is <laughs> as I'm sure, like my editor, the, the, the many, many emails I send him, um, on a daily basis. Um, I'm sure he knows that too, but you know, I think we've, we've all gotten to know each other well. And just, just like with any new business or friendly relationship, just kind of being able to uh, create something that works for everyone. And that's something I've been trying to do, like figure out my relationship with the various people. Because again, these people are so like, this is a giant publisher and they're, they're owned by even a bigger publisher. And end of the day, it's like this corporation, but on the, on the, the more granular level, these are everyone there is so passionate about books and that's why they're in it. And we all know people in in publishing are not paid great and they're in it for just like authors to be passionate about. So I've been really yeah. working hard to try to find, you know, like uh, bridge that gap and figure out um, how to work together in the, in the best way. And I think that's one thing that is tough. I think people are either on one side or the other. They're like, they like uh, will think that, you know, it's you versus me and, and you're not giving me what I want, but it's just like any relationship you have to, I think, I think kind of like work somewhere in the middle, you know, and figure out it's what all, people. It's all about giving and receiving. I, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, um, that's, you know, when I was talking to people, uh, when I first, you know, got into the, the publishing side and then I was talking about how they wanted me to cut, uh, like 15,000 words from, from among thieves, um, you know, some people I talked to were like, oh my God, that's like insane. You can't do that. And you know, it's, it is, it's like a different mindset. It's a give and take where it's like, okay, I, I want to, you know, listen to these people that are, you know, experts in marketing this mm -hmm. and getting it on shelves. Um, but I do see, like you said, the other side, I do see the flip side where it's like, no, this is my art and I want full control of it. And that's why I do think it's, um, it's not one option is better or worse than the other. It's just what path is right for the writer. Yeah. Right. And for me, actually, the on the creative end, I feel like I've had, it's been a lot easier because I'm, I'm more the, I'm, I like on the creative end, I, I think my natural tendency is to actually embrace input. I'm not the type uh, on the creative end where I'm very stuck in my ways. Like if someone presents me an idea for my book or for whatever that I'm working on that I actually, I try to go into it with an open mind. Maybe I don't always, it's hard to, you know, be introspective on it, but like, I try to be like, wow, that's actually a better idea. And, and that's something that actually has not been trouble free. So that was fantastic from, uh, going to trad. Um, that was one really big bright point of having this, uh, wealth of, 
creative creativity from from editors and also from like my agent uh who, who's who's awesome and being able to get all these all this input like i had had like beta readers who were who were also fantastic um but being able to suddenly tap into this uh spring of of creativity and really professional input that was not hard for me at all that was actually incredible i think part of that though was because i had had so many years um after self-pubbing where i'd i this is all had and i'd had like good reads and reviews from spfbo i'd been through the ringer was at spfbo you get that's one of the great things about that contest is it kind of like builds your you toughen your skin yeah, you yeah. get like so many reviews and you you really <laughs> like justin anderson who's also uh uh yeah, yeah, yeah. lost lost war by the way out next week from justin anderson um well next week from from when right. we're talking out in the past uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're both out now <laughs> <laughs> we're both we're both spfbo6 um alumnus um and we've both in our in our little um orbit uh new voices discord we're like well, well and people are starting to get reviews like trade reviews for the first time we're like we we've been and we've had so many reviews already <laughs> we've lived this life of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's been great but one of the good things is i've i've wanted to make changes to the book like since it was published like and of course with like goodreads and that stuff you you have to like throw out the really good reviews that are like gushing and then also the ones that are just like your book is completely terrible and i, I hate this genre and all that and just find the middle ground and it's like there is actually a lot of good critique in there and i went into this where I was like, to my editor, I was like, there's actually a lot I would like to change. So like this new iteration, not only does it have like 30,000 more words, but like a ton of the world building is like tighter. And it's been stuff that's like been driving me crazy. And you you think you're going to self-pub them and it's the end. But this was kind of like uh, uh, a second or third, <laughs> the yeah. third, third rejuvenation or re revival of the book. Um, so it was great being able to, to work with the editors there. And then the art department, I'd been like a big fan of Orbit, um, you know, for a really long time as a reader. And so that was just a dream being able to like work with all these editors and the art department um, that I had been fans of before. Yeah. Well, I'm going to dive and it's so, a little. so oh, lucky just that you got to add, like MJ talked about, like I had to cut 15,000 words, which is like small potatoes all things considered yeah when world. you're talking about like a hundred and some thousand word book yeah but you got to add like not often do you you go, does the publisher tell you like out. yeah right no it was yeah. really cool when they um the acquiring editor um who is no longer with orbit but she was fantastic came back with uh an editorial letter that was like um you know i love the world that you've built here but i would love to see more of, more of it. it. And I was like, mm. hell yeah, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to write more of it. Um, and, and I love that. Well, just I like little. Into that. How did you know what to expand on? Like, did you like what? How did that process work? Like, you get to play and add thirty thousand words. Where did you? Where yeah, did you decide how to? It put was. <laughs> so again, it was like my neuroses from the past like five years of having. I I was. I know they tell you not to read Goodreads. I know they tell you not to read reviews, but I it's read impossible I read not all to. of them. <laughs> and some of them like tore me up and some of them, and again, we learn over time. It's like, you got to just take, take what's helpful, but it doesn't, as a, as an author, especially a debut author, like, no, you read, you read the really bad stuff and it kills you, but it is what it is. Yep. And, but like, 
I took all of it to heart and was able to, again, get perspective on it. And like, not that I have, I don't, I'm not very good at like notes and, and outlines and that sort of thing. But like, it was all in my brain. I was like, these are the things I know I need to change. Um, like even like things like names of places, like there was a really weird, like, so in the, in the self pub audiobook, um, the main nation was called, uh, Mercury. And this is not the case anymore. It was called Mercury and it was spelled with an I. So not like the planet, but when the audiobook came out, because the narrator, of course, read it like Mercury, everyone yeah. was like, got the wrong concept. Uh, they were like, oh, so this is like literally the planet. planet. This oh, is the yeah. planet Mercury. <laughs> and like a lot, not everyone, but like some people were like, would write a review and was like, the combat codes takes place on a future Earth or a future planet Mercury. And I was like, oh no. They And these, they read the audiobook. I was like, Mercury okay, high. there's. God. Right. So I was like, okay, we're definitely changing that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. control, replace that, like that sort of thing felt so good being able to change. It. And not only that kind of granular thing, but like so many things with the world building that like even little, we all know there's always like little holes with like plots and stuff like that. I was able to like shore up all of that. Um, and then also like my editor, gave me some like really good feedback about like characters, you know, like, like a good editor will do. Um, like, you know, building, there were some characters that I thought, you know, in retrospect with, with the self pub version were a little too thin, um, you know, didn't have, have enough depth and like certain character, like one of the main characters, um, Murray, who's, who's one of the two main POVs, like in the first version had, had many less scenes. Like, so I gave really? him like an entire, yeah, like the second half of the book, like I I was able to give him like a new, not a new arc, but like add so much more depth to his his like second half of the book arc, which which was the and, and, he, and Murray is, Murray is like character. my favorite. Yeah, I love Murray. He's like yeah, my favorite character. Like, so yeah, yeah, no, he's yeah. like this old uh, badass like Mandalorian type. Uh, I love him. You know, lone wolf character, grumpy old so. man. It's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had a lot of fun writing more of Murray. <laughs> Oh, dude, that's so great. Cause it's like MJ, I've I've had the pleasure of like reading both the original not the original original, like the twenty fifteen version, but like the I guess like the second iteration of the combat codes, the self pub version, and then kind of like comparing that to this newest version. Yeah, version V three. It's, really it's I guess it's really it's just like a yeah. Like Silicon Valley where they have like new like they have like the beta and then they release different iterations. Yeah. I think it might yeah, yeah. it might be the first first book of that. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, because hey man, this you is can, the first version you, I've read of it. So Yeah. You can't you came from starting it in San Francisco and in Silicon Valley anyway, so it makes sense. It was the scene. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh on that note, I'm kinda I kinda wanna pick your brain about some of like You've gone through these many iterations of the book from the the alpha to the beta version and all all these different uh you know versions of the combat codes to get to the point where it's like you feel like this is I imagine like the best version of this book that you could do. How does it look? Yes. How does it feel for you to look back on your overall journey so far and 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 kind of pick out some of the hardest but most valuable lessons that you've learned? And what advice would you give to other authors who are thinking about going down either publishing path, whether it's self pub or trad pub? Yeah, no, it's, it's, 
again, because it's been, well, I think, 10 years for this yeah. book and, and the series, and we're in this whole new new phase of it uh, with, with, with the upcoming release. It, it's, it's almost like every, I think every version has its own, own lessons. Um, so I think we're the, I'm right now I'm closest to um, where it currently is. So it's hard. It, it's hard for me to think about all the way back uh, about the lessons I learned there. But again, I think, I think, you know, obviously craft is something have striving towards always improving craft and looking at, I think that's something martial arts to, to, you know, use that analog again. I think um, looking at it as always being able to learn um, and not looking at anything as like final. And, and, you know, I think that has led me to be able to keep pushing, pushing it through and trying to improve it. Um, but on the most recent version um again i th i think it's almost obviously the, the writing has improved a lot and the world has improved a lot but like the relationships around trad publishing are something i've really tried to to learn a lot i think writing is a ve very can be very solitary and like for me um i like being around people like for example i wrote a screenplay last summer with a really good friend and it was like the most fun I've ever had, like writing chapters back and <laughs> forth. Like I would love to co-write something at some point. Like I had so much fun, like just yeah. sending chapters back and forth, especially if you find like a co-writer that really works well with you and you're not, there's no mm -hmm. like ego that goes into it where it's yeah. like, you just take, takes what's best. So I, I have figured that out about myself that I really like collaborating. Um, I like, I, I like collaborating with that sort of thing. So uh what was your original question <laughs> sorry i got lost a little bit what, what advice would you get to like a uh, tangent <laughs> yes no, i totally great. went that's off great. the edge there <laughs> what it's advice great, would you though. give to authors who are thinking about going down either publishing path okay um I, yeah i really do think it comes down to hmm it's a tough question adrian <laughs> I think it's what I do, man. Self pub. <laughs> I think self pub. You have to be realistic now, especially in the current atmosphere, um, with your resources. I mean, because end of the day, if you're gonna self pub, and I mean, and you want to look to that to be your actual living in the future, uh, you're gonna have to not only devote the you know the time that you would. Um, for any for any manuscript or for any book you're writing a full length novel, but you have to really invest a lot of uh, capital resources like to do it well. You have to hire artists, and it's it's getting. I think I think it's probably getting more expensive um, to some extent. Um, so I don't think that's for everyone. I mean, just based on that actual limitation, like if you, I mean, that is a big advantage of trad, and like obviously we can talk about like once you're in trad. Certainly, um, you may need to invest more depending on how much you want to push it on your own. But at least uh, with trad, you can theoretically um, just you know have a manuscript and and get through all the hurdles of getting an agent and and then getting uh, getting through to editors on sub and and having it published. Theoretically, you can do it with zero um, capital. So I think that's yeah. that almost should be the primary. 
logist logistical concern when you're determining self-pub versus trad. I mean, like literally you have to look at your 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 bank account and where your your family life and whatever it might be and, and figure out and like if you're gonna really go for broke with self-pub, you need you should and again, I, this is not something I did. So uh, like probably, I mean, but, but I know I, I should have also done this, but like, you need to just figure out what, what, how much you want to spend on this, um, like a business as if you were opening up a, a small business, whatever it might be. Um, I think that's the, and then also then I think take into account, uh, how, what you know about yourself, uh, as far as uh, the type of personality you are, whether you like to, not that you, I mean, obviously not, not everyone falls into like, I'm controlling, I'm not controlling. It's like, it's different <laughs> aspects. Right. But like, do you it, talk about what you enjoy? Do you like going out and hiring contractors? Like, do you like that? Those sort of relationships? Um, is that, I mean, and you, you don't need to like it, but is that something that you're gonna, you're gonna be able to do and at the same time, stay on the ball? Um, with your writing and and then also i mean again i'm i'm a pretty far out of self-pub at this point so i don't and it's such a fast evolving um sphere that i don't want to give like this is the advice of what how to do it because there's so many people that could do that better than me at this point but as i understand it you do have to produce um at a, at a pretty regular clip um to be successful um, so that's another thing to really like, do you want to be the type of writer that's going to put out, I don't know, two, maybe three novels per year. And of course, yeah. trad, trad can do that again. So obviously there's, there's self-pub authors that are very successful that don't do that. They do like one, which is fine, but it seems like that is the trend. And then, um, do you want to learn all the marketing? Like, I think to be successful, you do have to do some level of marketing NPR and, and put the money into that and put the, the resources into that. Um, yeah. that's, I, I would say that's the, the main consideration. And mental health will be affected on both ends of the spectrum. I was going to say, on which side, Adrian, either one. <laughs> right. You're going to have your mental health for either one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're I a love writer. Give up on that dream. <laughs> do jujitsu. Jiu Pick up jujitsu. There we go. Yeah, then center yourself that way. <laughs> I think that's great advice. And I think that that's a really great point is, you know, it does for a lot of people, for, for myself, uh, I went trad because I did not have the money to invest in self-pub. And to your point, I spent pretty close to zero dollars between uh, i spent a, a lot of time <laughs> but you would spend right. that anyways, right? Um, yeah. So that is, that's an important right. oh, consideration. What I lost... don't think about. I lost my trail of thought um, previously on talking. I was saying that uh, either for either one, writing can be pretty solitary, um, given obviously you're, you're writing a book and you need to be alone for, for a large portion of that. So that's something I was going to say you need to take into consideration too. Both, I think both self-pub and trad, um, you have the ability to form a lot of awesome relationships, which I think has, has really uh, kept me afloat for both of them. And that's something I, I think I, I really thrive on. Um, like self-pub, it has like such a fantastic community as like, you know, like I met, I met Adrian through it. Um, so many other awesome authors through SPFBO and not only authors, but like bloggers and just people that are so 
awesome, so badass in this community that that are are just pushing each other's books. But you have to be willing to put yourself out there and and try to form these relationships. And then, but really, the same thing goes with Trat. I think some people uh, underutilize the potential of relationships, um, and it's hard in a lot of ways. Like there's this like undercurrent of like competitiveness is even within like uh even within like an imprint or like between imprints and it's like everyone's competing but it's really the same like you're all just like there is the ability with with trad to you know help each other out and and push each other's books up and create like discords and communities and i think that that and like i think it's gotten a lot better and there's more there's just so much more information out there and, and ways to create these communities but i think either way you have to if you're the type of person that can't just be like solitary like me and um for like mental health i think you you need to figure out um how you're going to do that yeah agreed yeah and so I, important yeah, I'm like i'm super ha- super happy it's like i met mj i met you both this way uh, yeah if book anyone, community. if book anyone people out are there, the coolest people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just reach out. Honestly, just like reach out. You have no idea how many authors I've got in touch with just by DMing them on Twitter, uh, going to their website and finding their contact form or their email address right. and just emailing. Not them. everyone will be able to uh, respond, but like it doesn't hurt to no, say no, no. hello. No, don't get don't don't get <laughs> right. butt hurt about don't it. But weird. just like be yeah. Right. Just be like, be realistic about people and they have their own lives and going on. But I remember being like super intimidated for each step, like every step. Like when I first started self pub and I was on like our fantasy Reddit and like seeing the big authors or like even the big, like the, the self pub authors that were well known being like super intimidated by like everyone. And then like getting to meet some of them being like, okay, these these people are really cool. And then oh, like right. same thing goes with trad, like, like knowing, having read all these authors and being like big fans of them and then actually getting to meet them and just seeing, uh, that they're also very cool. So like, Oh, yeah. they're just a nerd too. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Every time. Oh, that's MJ, awesome. MJ loves to say book people are the, are the coolest people. Like book people are just, the yeah. coolest people well that's a, I, I, like they said the old saying like don't meet your heroes that doesn't apply if your heroes are book people because they're gonna be badass anyway like they're just cool people yeah. <laughs> it's true i like it so i'm curious alex what is next on the horizon for you i believe we'll be getting books two and three in the combo combat code saga um, so I'm curious to hear a little more about that, but also if you have anything outside of the series that you're working on or thinking about just what's coming up next from you. Yeah. So book, uh, two of the combat code series, Grievar's blood is, uh, th- I've handed it in, uh, we're in, uh, Oh, I owe copy edits. Oh, good. I, I think I have a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> I owe, I owe copy edits back very soon. Um, and then after that, um, first, uh, first pass, second pass, and I don't know how many MJ, how many passes are there? There's a lot of passes. That's another thing you learn with like Thousands. that. I have <laughs> thousand passes. Like oh, um, past pages again. <laughs> it's good right. though because they catch little. little the copy editors are wizards. They find stuff that's like how did I know. You notice that. And there's so many. Uh, that is something different with Trad. I find like so many hands are in those documents. Like just when you look at the track changes, you're like, oh. Yeah. 
I haven't seen that person before. Like, oh. And like, I'm like, who is that? <laughs> nice. I'll try to write like little nice messages in my, in my like, like stat or whatever. I'll be like, thank you. Like, <laughs> I've never met you before. And then like, colon, smiley face. Like, How are you doing? Nice about it. <laughs> So cute. I love um, using it like a texting conversation. My right. track changes. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you've had a nice day. No. <laughs> um, so, uh, Grievers Blood will be should be out uh, in the fall, and I have a cover, um, nice. which which I'm really really excited to re- reveal. Should be cool. It has a it has a chocobo on the front cover. <laughs> Adrian's face. <gasps> Awesome. Um, and, uh, and so then six months after that, the, the final book, Black Light Born should, if we're, we're on schedule. So that would be, um, early or mid, that'll be spring 2024, I believe. Um, and then, yeah, I have, I've written a few things, um, in between all this, like, uh, publishing is trad publishing is that's the other thing that I left out is like, if you are very impatient, um, you can still do trad publishing, but you're going to be very impatient. Especially, especially, I'm not saying you, you can be impatient and do trad publishing, but be prepared to be very impatient. You're going to have a um, right. time. You're going to learn to be patient. I'm, I'm a learn very impatient person and I have been, me too, me too. I've been beaten into submission with patience. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but during the time, like between acquisition and, some contract stuff i wrote uh a draft which is really really crappy um but i really love the idea um the 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 comp is just uh westworld meets wolverine but it's evolving a little bit um so we'll we'll see i'm already in (laughs) yeah um i'm excited about that and i have a few other concepts uh that i'm hoping to to pitch soon but I, i won't pitch you guys before before i pitch my editor i should say i should save it for him that's fair. Aww. That's fair. We 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 don't have the power to get that. it on the shelves. So <laughs> yeah, we we can't, yeah we can't get that published for you. I'm just gonna pitch you guys. I'm gonna use this. As, no. <laughs> Andrew, I guess we're starting a small press. Let's go. <laughs> Fuck yeah, indie press, baby. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, yeah, dude, I I love the idea of like Westworld meets Wolverine. However, that ends up coming together. Your comp even has alliteration. That's brilliant. That's yeah. That's all it's got. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing else. It's a shallow. Feeling the W's. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, to close out, can you give listeners and viewers a a good bit of soundbite writing advice, and b tell us a weird or random fact that you find to be utterly fascinating? Um. Well, this is not that weird of a fact, but before this this podcast i was telling you that guys that we were bunny sitting um and i didn't know this but this is probably not weird this is weird but it's probably not random for people that know things about bunnies but i did not know bunnies pooped so much they just poop all the time they're just like i had i really had zero knowledge of of how much it's like they're like they're like cows kind of i feel like they they are they constantly just pretty much. Are cows I love money. I hope there's no. I don't know. I feel yeah. like 
Have you ever been to a farm? <laughs> Step on that shit. Are you from the Midwest? <laughs> I'm a city girl, all right? I'm not a farm. <laughs> yeah, fucking person. farm girl from, from Detroit. From Detroit? <laughs> yeah, not so much. <laughs> I probably should it have been like a martial arts something to be on on the. I love it. No bunny poop. We're that's what I got. Bunny, bunny poop. Dude. Bunny poop. That's what. I, that's all okay. I got. Now follow up bunny um, shit with a nice bit of writing advice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, writing advice, and I'm trying. I'm trying to think of something that will that will actually be be very uh, helpful. Uh, so back to back to something that I've had to learn over time um, back to talking about subconscious and not in like a Freudian way, but like really just the most literal sense of like subconscious. I, I do find like for me personally, my best draft drafting specifically for drafting um, a drafting is it, for me is all subconscious. Uh, and the more I find that I'm, I'm out of that um, state, the work, the, the less flow there is. So, so I really do find that, you know, being able to break apart, break from your idea, from your, your awesome thoughts and your concepts and all the world building you've done in your head and jotted down and all the, the, the character sheets you've created for your character, which is all super fun. All that, that's like a really fun part. Like when you actually are going to start you're drafting and you can have an outline, but like you sit down to write that scene. I feel like it's so helpful to like actually not be in that world building character sheet cluttered mindset. It's like, you need to be like, from I need to be out of that. I have to be like in more of like a, a flow state, but not like in a pressure. I mean, you can like pressure yourself, like I'm not in a flow state. What's wrong? Like that you, you can fall into that <laughs> trap. But like, that's why I think um, exercise, like from a very logistical standpoint, like exercise or like a lot of writers go on walks and then like I do my best writing right after that. Or like I used to when I could actually write in the morning, like right when I woke up and my mind was like in this fuzzy kind of like just waking state. I think I like that's when I used I, I do. I can't write in the morning that so much anymore, but that's when I did a lot of good writing, like when you're 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 conscious brain has not yet really taken a hold with all these firm ideas and it's just kind of everything's like fuzzy uh that that's my advice yeah that's my jam too it's like yeah getting getting to that flow state especially when you wake up in the morning because it's like you're almost in this like semi like state hallucinatory yeah. state where it's like you're flowing out of your dreams and into the reality of the morning and then right yeah like you can just vomit onto the page and yeah. there's a good right. chance that there's going to be some really fucking amazing nuggets. Well, and that's, I like, I like that concept yeah. of the dream state. Cause that's when it is the best. Like when my writing is yeah. going the best, it's when like, literally I feel like I'm almost watching a film and transcribing it onto the paper in yeah. versus the days yeah. when I, and, and you do have to force it, or at least I do some days, but those aren't the days when I get the good shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. I love that. Well, I just try, if you try, if you're trying too hard, yeah. Yoda, right? There is no try, or <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah, you know Yoda. You know Yoda, that green guy. Yeah. Whatever. That green dude. Yeah, he spouts wisdom. <laughs> awesome. Well, Alex, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. As well, well. thank you guys. Anyone... I had a great time. 
absolute pleasure, buddy. Yeah, always a, always a great time hanging out with you and uh, hearing your story. And for anyone who contributes to our Patreon at $10 or more a month, there'll be an exclusive reading by Alex from the Combat Codes. So you can go check that out. Alex, can you let folks know where they can find you on social media? Yeah, I'm, I have, uh, it's at Combat Codes for all the different sites. Uh, just, I think that, yeah, at Combat Codes. Um, and yeah, combatcodes.com. It's pretty, pretty simple. Easy to remember. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> and uh, the Combat Codes will be out through Orbit Books on June 13th. So get, get yourself a copy. Yeah, Love. June fifteenth for June thirteenth U.S. Uh, June fifteenth yeah. U.K. Yeah, because U.K. people do weird shit over there. But right, Thursday release arts, dates, yeah. weirdos. Even if you don't love martial arts, we love you. Even if you don't love martial arts, this book is fantastic and really well paced, and I highly recommend everyone check it out. Uh, you can also follow SFF Addicts on Instagram and Twitter at SFF Addicts Pod, or you can follow me at Adrian M. Gibson. MJ, what about you? Yeah, you can find me across all the socials at MJ Coon Books or go to MJCoon.com. Brilliant. And go pre order Thickest Thieves out July 25th. Yes, please do. And, uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, that's it for this episode. Stay tuned next week for part two with Alex to hear his mini masterclass on writing action scenes. For now, keep reading, keep imagining, and we'll see you next time on SFF Addicts.